welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. I know, I know you guys read the title of this episode, saw the word shame and just couldn't wait to listen to this. (laughs) I'm teasing because I know that shame can often be a topic that kind of causes us to turn away from whatever it is, myself included. So if you even pushed play on this episode, thank you for being here. This is week four of my 51 week Evox series that I'm going to be doing throughout the entire year. And for those of you just joining, this is pretty much a series of me doing my own Evox sessions on myself, working through my own shit. (laughs) And then kind of sharing what was coming up for me, what epiphanies I had. So if you haven't heard the first one, I definitely recommend going back to week one of the Evox series so that you can kind of get on board because I'm right in the middle of a series on releasing different emotions related to an event that kind of happened in college. So over the last few weeks, some of the things I've been trying to release are the grief related to this, feeling like I didn't rise to the challenge and the disappointment in myself. And this week, it's these feelings of manipulation and shame that were really, really wrapped up in this event. And I think even when you hear the word shame, you get this horrible, yucky feeling. At least I do. It's like, I don't even want to speak the word. There's so much negative connotation related to it. And What's wild is since this event, I have carried that yucky feeling inside me. There was so much shame for me related to this, and I'm going to get into it and where I think it came from later on in the episode. But to feel and carry shame even for a day feels so awful. But to feel and carry it for years and years and years I think it's something that starts to fester away. And for me, this really was the case that I have been carrying this repressed shame ever since this event in my life. And first of all, it felt so good to just be able to acknowledge it and release it in this session. But then, as always, spend a little bit more time thinking through it on a conscious level of what are the roots of this? Where did this come from? How did this play out in my life? So to give a little bit of context, the environment of this university soccer team that I was on was very much one of, as the athlete on the team, you are meant to please me, the coach. And I would even say this extended to the athletic director of the school at the time as well. It was very much this attitude of, we are your elders, you're here to please us, you're not here to question us. You're here to work hard and help us win championships, but never, ever rock the boat, never, ever question the status quo. You should be (laughs) subservient. So many different undertones and something that had triggered me 
ever since being on this team was that this coach had been extremely manipulative with myself and I'm sure with other players on the team as well. And it's so interesting because I, as I was going through the session, what kept coming up in my brain was why did this bother me so much, this manipulative behavior from her? And kind of wondering in my head, did I know she was doing this to other girls on the team? Were they also bothered by it or was it just me? Or maybe were they bothered by it, but it wasn't enough to make them quit the team or did they just stuff it down? You know, was there something in my life particularly that was being triggered by this? And really just wondering, because for those of you who missed the first episode, ultimately going into my junior year on the team, and by the way, I was on almost a full ride scholarship. Like there was a lot of reasons for me to stick it out and stay on this team. But I chose to leave the team because it had become an extremely toxic environment for me. And so there was a part of me that was just like, why did the situation feel so extreme to me that I really felt like I need to leave? And what really hit me in this Evox session was that coming upon junior year, I think it was a extremely pivotal point in my life where experiencing this type of behavior it like made something snap inside of me and I'm gonna do my best to explain this while also being sensitive but there's a lot of roots in this for me related to religion for those of you who don't know I was born and raised in a Christian household the university that I was going to was a Baptist university so lots and lots of religious undertones which can be wonderful in so many ways but what I want to talk about here is one of the undertones that at least I personally I think had been raised with and witnessed in the churches we were going to in the circles we were hanging around was this idea that you need to respect your elders to the point of don't question them don't talk back don't rock the boat never never disappoint your elders and if you do rock the bow and question what they're doing question what they're saying that is wrong and not only is it wrong it's shameful and i really want to focus on this word shame here because from again from what i have experienced i'm not saying all religious circles are like this. I'm not saying all Christians are like this. I am purely speaking from my experience. And in my experience, shame was a really powerful tool in the Christian circles that I was running in. It was a really powerful tool to get you to do the quote unquote right things. And by the way, I don't even necessarily know if the individuals who were promoting the shame, I don't even know if this was a conscious thing they were doing. Honestly, it's probably how they were raised. It's so subliminal, it's hard to catch sometimes. So I'm not trying to necessarily point the finger and say that these people were maliciously trying to shame me, but regardless, it was there. And shame was a constant companion through my youth. I also think that there is a component of this that my parents had a lot of their own shame from their own lifetimes, from their own trauma that they hadn't worked through. So I do think there was a component of this inherited trauma around shame that had been unprocessed. 
but I don't really think it was something I had ever consciously put words to through, you know, my youth, junior high, high school. It was never something that I think I was able to actually in my mind go, oh, they're trying to shame me for that behavior. And that's why this feels so icky. When you would disappoint someone in authority over you, it was shameful. And what I want to talk about here for a second is, I think this is so profound. I was listening to a talk with Brene Brown, the famous shame researcher. And something that she points out is that shame and guilt are very, very different. Guilt is this idea of, I did something wrong, but I'm not a bad person. Whereas shame is... I did something wrong and I am a bad person. And there's a huge difference between those two things. And I think most of us can relate to that feeling of, oh God, I did that and I feel guilty, but I know there was no malintent there. It was an accident and I'm not beating myself up for it. I'm not just mulling around in this horrible shame versus that feeling of shame of, oh my God, I feel so dirty and yucky and pitiful and embarrassed and I just want to go hide in a corner. At least (laughs) I have felt that on so many occasions, particularly when interacting with individuals within the Christian circles that I was a part of. But like I said, prior to college, I had never been able to really correlate, oh, this feeling, this horrible yuckiness is shame. That's what this is. It's just, you know, you would do something, they would treat you a certain way that would interject that shame and you would just feel so, so, so awful. And you wouldn't want to talk about it. You just want to run from it. So I think what was so profound about this experience in college coming into my junior year was not only had I, it had been two full years on this team interacting, dealing with on a daily basis, by the way, you're training up to four hours a day. So you're with these people at least four hours a day, if not more, not talking about when you're going to away games where you're with these people 24 seven for four days straight. So it's a lot of time to be spending with someone who is manipulating you, making you feel like something was your fault when it really wasn't. And then when you try to stand up for yourself, they're kind of shaming you for that and basically saying, who are you to question me? And after two years of that kind of behavior, I think something finally snapped in my brain where two years I had been feeling yucky and horrible and shameful. And there was this conflict in my mind of this isn't right, but... I wanted to please this person. And that's what I had been raised to do is respect your elders. Don't disappoint them. That's the worst thing you could possibly do is disappoint your elders. And so for those first two years, I think I really was in this mindset of, oh my God, I disappointed them. I need to work harder. I need to do better. I need to please them. She said this about me and oh my gosh, I I don't feel that way, but she must be right because she's an authority over me. So I need to kind of beat down my inner voice and just listen to that and do it, whatever it is she's asking me to do. First of all, it was exhausting. It was demoralizing. And I think just coming into that junior year, I was like, fuck this. I am so sick of this. I'm sick of playing this game. And it really did click. Those first two years, I think I really did believe 
when there was this manipulative behavior going on, I think I really bought into it of, oh my God, she's saying this and wow, she must be right. I must have done something wrong here. And I think coming into that junior year, I really started to see, no, that's not right. I know I didn't do anything wrong here. I know it's okay for me to step up and ask to have a meeting with you and ask to talk about this thing that happened that didn't feel good. And I'm perfectly within my right to do that. And I don't deserve to be shamed for doing that. And so I really got to this point where it was like, I'm tired of keeping the status quo, pretending like this is okay, trying to just get your approval endlessly, not trying to rock the boat because that's what us Christian girls are, as good little Christian girls do. We're meek and we're humble and we're quiet and we're subservient. And I was just like, "Uh uh-uh, fuck that. (laughs) And again, I'm really not trying to bash on Christianity. This is not a blanket statement. This is purely my experience. I'm like so, so worried that people are going to come back and respond to this and say, oh my God, she hates Christians. No, 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 no. That is not what's going on here. I am purely speaking from my experience. So I think I just really started to see what was going on. And in my instance, in this particular environment, there were people in authority who I think had just started to rely on manipulation and shame as a way to maintain authority and compliance really from the players all while hiding under the title of, you know, we're Christians. This is what God would want you to do. God would want you to listen to your elders. God would want you to be compliant, to not question us, to not talk back, whatever the things were. And I just think it really finally hit me that junior year of this this is what's going on. I hadn't seen it before, but you're being you're being manipulative. You're trying to manipulate me. And my inner voice has seen it for a while, but was beating it down because I felt so shameful in questioning you. What stood out to me so much as I was going through this Evox session was that the shame was so profound. And I think this is how shame works kind of across the board is shame beats us into silence. It's so heavy. It feels so icky and dark that we don't want to talk about whatever it is we're feeling shame about. And so even though I knew I was being treated poorly, I knew I was being manipulated, I had no voice to defend myself. There were moments where I would step out a little bit into it and say, hey, I'm not, you know, what's going on here? This kind of happened. But for the most part, I had no voice. And what ultimately ended up happening is I just like one day walked into the office, dropped my bags on the floor and said, I quit this team. And I have a lot of regret about how I left the team, but I think more than anything, it's not that I quote unquote quit. It's not that I didn't finish out the season and muster through it. It's not that I just like left in the middle. It's that I never stood up for myself truly. I think that's really what the regret is about. And let me tell you that regret has eaten away at me for years at not defending myself. I think I said in one of the episodes that I've had recurrent dreams about this this time in my life, this event, this person. 
And so it's such a sign of how much this regret has been festering within me. But that's something looking back on this event, like that really stood out to me was I had no voice. This shame that I felt, the shame that was being projected onto me from them was such, so effective at silencing me and keeping me small. And God, what a horrible feeling that is. It's so interesting, the paradox between, on the one hand, I had gotten to a point where I saw this manipulative behavior, I saw this shame-based behavior, and I was disgusted by it, and I knew it was wrong, and I knew that I probably wasn't going to be able to change this, and so I really felt like the only option for my mental health was to leave the team. But at the same time, at the same time, seeing so clearly everything that's going on, the thought of, quote unquote, disrespecting my elders by confronting them with the way they were treating me filled me with so much shame that I couldn't do it. So it was like, even though I knew that was wrong and that was backwards, it was so deeply ingrained in my subconscious that it still kept me silent, even though I could see head on what it was. So what is the moral of this story? (laughs) I'm not sure. Honestly, I think a part of it is we have to release these emotions. And sometimes releasing it is 50% of the work. Just being able to acknowledge, holy shit, look at how much shame, look at how much regret I've been carrying. It's time to let that go. It's time to acknowledge it. It's time to pull that shame out of the dark, dark cupboard I've stuffed it in and kind of put it out on display for the world to see and really just say, I don't have to carry this anymore. I love talking in analogies. It, I think that's just how my brain thinks, so that's naturally how I end up talking. But if I could give the analogy of how this shame has affected my life, especially this repressed shame, right? It's sort of, for me in my mind, it's like almost as if I had this like horrible skin disease on my body that was just like ugly and oozing and I didn't want people to see it so I would just like cover myself and hide underneath this dark cloak and kind of go oh don't look at me don't look too closely and because that was the underlying feeling I was carrying within me I think that was a huge factor in this fear of shining too brightly I don't want to shine too brightly because, oh, I've got this ickiness, this dirtiness on me that I don't want people to see and I don't want it to be exposed. And what I'll say is as I have worked through this particular event in my life, I have noticed myself feeling so much more free and so much more safe to really start to show up in the world as my true authentic self and not be afraid of the attention that might draw on myself. It always, always baffles me how subliminal these repressed emotions, these repressed wounds are, but how profound they affect our behavior every single day. I say it all the time, 90, you know, 80 to 95% of the decisions we make in a day are made by our subconscious mind. And if our subconscious mind is carrying these stories of shame and resentment and grief and guilt and I'm not worthy, I'm dirty, those are the foundation that our 
mind is going to make decisions off of. And for me, that is 100% been the case. This shame has kept me small, has kept me from really stepping into who I am, has kept me from pursuing certain things that I felt might make me too visible. And I think even the fact that I'm just doing this podcast series is a testimony to shedding these layers of shame and feeling like it is, I'm so free and safe to just shine. For me, whenever I'm working through something, there's there's a few questions that I'm trying to answer in my mind, whether it's for myself in my own evoc session or with clients, it's always sort of number one, what are the emotions that have been repressed all these years? Let's just get those out in the open. Let's get them on the table. Let's clean them out. Sometimes I'll even ask, where do you feel like these emotions are being stored in your body? Oftentimes clients have really, really specific responses. They're like, when I think about this shame, I feel it in my chest. Or when I think about this guilt, I feel it in my stomach. And so sometimes there really is a very physiological response. I love referencing Louise Hay's list of emotional and physical illnesses, the connection between emotions, repressed emotions and physical illnesses. I'll link to it in the show notes because it's fascinating. I love to just kind of peek at that. If I've got a client who maybe we're working with guilt, I'll pull up that list. And, you know, for example, guilt can often correlate to the stomach and constipation. And it's just this unprocessed guilt that's slowing everything down. So I love to reference that. And so often it rings so, so true. But some of the other questions I'm seeking to answer are, you know, what are the emotions? Where are they being stored within the body? If we can identify that. What was the event that happened? What subconscious beliefs might have been created from this experience? And how have these subconscious beliefs played out into negative patterns in my own life? So more often than not, people are super aware of the event that sort of triggered everything. Usually that's like a starting point for us is we know the event, but it does also happen on occasion where a client will come in and they'll go, look, I have this negative pattern that let's just say, for example, um, I keep dating this certain type of person that I know is toxic. So they know the pattern but they don't know where it's coming from, what's related to it, what are the subconscious beliefs around it. So sometimes that's the starting point is we've got the pattern, we know what's here, now let's go from there. So we can start from anywhere along that list of questions, but starting to work through them helps us piece together this puzzle of what happened and how has it been playing out so subtly throughout my entire life. And so for me, in this particular instance, the event was this really toxic environment on my college soccer team. The repressed emotions were of really shame was the key, key one that was coming up in this particular Evox session. For me, that shame, when I think about it, it feels like this sick pit in my stomach. So that's really where it resonates for me physically. I I almost feel like I want to vomit. It's such a sick feeling. What were the subconscious beliefs that came out of it? For me, I think it was that I somehow, somehow it was all my fault. Even though, right, logically I knew that. Logically I knew this is a toxic environment. 
I can't really do much about it, so I need to remove myself from this environment. I knew that logically, but subconsciously, I believed the exact opposite, which was, it was my fault. I wasn't good enough to be on that team. I was making waves. I should have known better than to question those in authority over me. It was shameful of me to do that. <laughs> I'm dirty and icky because I did that. So literally these are, those honestly were the subconscious beliefs ingrained in my brain. And because I did that, like I'm dirty and shameful and sinful and I don't want people to see that. So I need to hide. So how did those limiting beliefs play out in my life from that point on? It really played out as staying small, as oh no, I'm, got, I'm not going to pursue that because that might give me too much visibility and I'm not worth looking at over here. And if people see me, if the spotlight is really on me, illuminating my full body, people are going to see how gross and dirty and shameful I actually am. And I don't want people to feel that. I don't want people to see that because it's so shameful. <laughs> it's just a big shame downward spiral. And... God, it feels so good to be free of that, you guys. It feels so good to be free of that, to feel like in my mind, when I imagine standing in front of people, a spotlight illuminating all of me, there's no fear. There's no sense of shame. There's no sense of, oh, I need to hide this icky, dirty part because it's so shameful. It's like, I am here, I am ready, I deserve to be seen, I deserve to be able to show up as myself authentically. And by the way, I think that this staying small hasn't just played out in the big things in my life, in in the podcast, in my career, whatever. I, it also has shown up in the really small day-to-day -day interactions I was having with people. I think I was afraid to even show myself fully to my family and friends of like, this is who I am see me because there was a component of it of no I'm too dirty to be seen I don't want you to see this you're going to be ashamed if you see this side of me and so I kept my I kept myself small in work in career but also in family and friends and relationships and I feel like I can so honestly say that chapter has been closed that oozy infected wound that I had been carrying has finally been healed. The final thought that I kind of want to close this podcast out with is I have started to see a pattern in working with clients through Evox and it's this, it's that most of our repressed emotions at the very, very core, at the root, 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 regardless of what the surface emotion is, most of our repressed emotions, our negative patterns boil down to one or two things. And it's either a subconscious belief related around fear or subconscious beliefs related to shame. That is what I see in every single client. It either boils down to deep, deep fear or deep, deep shame. And I just have seen how pervasive both of these repressed emotions can be, but shame in particular, because I think we're coming into maybe a time in the world where we can talk a little bit more about fear, maybe, but shame is still this deeply elusive topic 
that like I was mentioning and just like it did for me, it's something that we don't want to bring up. We don't want to say I have shame. We don't want to say I'm ashamed of this. It is so demoralizing and icky that most of us just beat it down. We sweep it under the rug. We put it in a closet, lock the door and like melt the key away so no one can ever get in there. And it is so pervasive in keeping us stuck, creating these negative patterns. So I think if there's any encouragement I can leave with you, it's that if you are carrying shame related to something, first of all, just acknowledge it within yourself. You don't even need to go out. You don't need to get on a podcast and announce it to the world. You don't even need to tell your best friend, your spouse, whoever it is. Just take a second with yourself and go, first of all, my mind is a safe place. I can acknowledge, I can say, I can voice anything in the safety of my mind. And I think I've got some shame related to this. Where do I feel that in my body? And if I can, if I can pinpoint where I'm feeling it, just take a deep breath in. And with each exhale, feeling like I'm breathing a little bit more of that shame out and acknowledging it. And if you feel like, I think I might be ready to start addressing this. Amazing. There are so many tools out there, Evox included, to help us identify and release these repressed emotions and the negative patterns and the limiting beliefs that come with them. But if that's the only place, if that's where you're ready to start, just start there and do that every day for a week, for two weeks, for a month of just saying, oh, I have the shame. I see it. My mind is a safe place to acknowledge it. And I'm going to breathe through it for a little bit. And I hope that helps a little bit. Like I said, I think I've seen so much with myself and with clients that sometimes just acknowledging whatever the emotion is can be profound at providing relief and also just getting that ball rolling in a different direction in changing the momentum from this downward spiral to this upward spiral. So whew, that was a little heavier. <laughs> than maybe I even thought it was going to be. If you made it to the end, as always, thank you so, so much for listening. Please reach out with your thoughts, with your comments. I would love to hear how this episode impacted you. It's so, so fulfilling for me and encouraging for me and uplifting for me to be able to hear feedback from you guys. So definitely reach out. Here is to outing our shame, outing our repressed emotions, feeling safe to do so. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next week, you guys, have an amazing weekend.